1: Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim.
0: I'm John.
1: And this week, we are talking about some undead boys who make some noise uh, with The Crow from 1994?
0: 94, yep. I think it goes without saying that Kim and I usually pick the movies that we talk about uh, on the podcast. This double feature uh, both parts of this double feature are actually handpicked by the members of the Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club. In the Discord, we have a separate channel for the Fiend Club members, the Patreon supporters, uh, and we, we opened up a channel for them to suggest movies and double features that they'd like us to talk about on the podcast. And we thought we'd kick off the new year by, uh, by picking up on one of the double features that they'd recommended. I'm not going to give away the second movie that we're talking about, but this week we are talking about The Crow.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever considered Crow a Nightmare on Film Street movie, but watching it, yeah, definitely uh, spooky.
0: (laughs) Wow, so I'm not going to lie, since we talked about doing this episode, I have been very interested to hear what you think about this movie, because you revealed to me recently that you just kind of don't fuck with 90s indie grunge basically all the cool movies of the 90s you're just like Meh. <laughs>
1: yeah and to be fair and it's weird because you'd think that you know me being a, a goth yeah. that this would be my bread and butter but uh-huh. it-, it was a little early for me 1994 i was only 5 i was not a goth yet
0: <laughs> You didn't I you mean you i didn't was, just come into but... this world with black <laughs> eyeliner in like platform boots.
1: Uh, I wish, but no, yeah. So this one was never really part of the chainmail that made up my goth armor. Wow. It's and it's weird too because like uh, Queen of the Damned, arguably a terrible film,
0: is <laughs> very The Crow. Yeah, they would have made a great double bill, and
1: I I think it's phenomenal.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, yeah. I just never got into The Crow. I tried watching it. I'm gonna say in grade eight, so I was like twelve, and I just didn't get it.
0: <laughs> I don't think. I, wow, in I grade eight, that sh- it should have hit.
1: Yeah, I don't think I finished it. I th- it was just like, ew, this is crime superhero. I just didn't vibe with the superheroiness of it.
0: Okay, well, you know, now that you say that, maybe it makes a little more sense because you know, as a boy, I guess the crime superheroiness of it, you know, appealed to me. But you know, like it or not. This movie's in my bones, like I. Oh, I
1: could hear that while we were watching. <laughs> I could tell.
0: Like if th- if this movie came out now and I was an adult experiencing it for the first time, I don't think that I would be like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, this is gonna be one of the ten movies that shaped my fucking life." But yeah, uh, I've easily seen this movie twenty times, maybe more. I've seen The Crow a lot. This
1: is probably my second full to- full watch. That's
0: fucking crazy to me. <laughs> that's fucking insane and I I get it though now that I am aware of how much you hate movies like The Crow <laughs> it's like every movie in the 90s that wasn't Pulp Fiction you're like fuck it <laughs>
1: Even Pulp Fiction, John. Wow! (laughs) I'm just learning now! I thought you liked it! You were just being polite to me!
0: (laughs) Fuck.
1: No, I'm sure Pulp Fiction is fine. I just don't remember
0: (laughs) Wow, I'm sure Pulp Fiction is fine. I've just always pretended to watch it. Much like the times that I've made you watch The Crow. I've made you watch this movie before. Uh, That's why I said full watch. Yeah, that's okay. Second full watch. Well, I think it would be fun. Uh, as somebody who's only now really taking the movie and to make you give us three good things, I'll I'll jump in and, and do one for you, but I want at least two of those three good things from you. Why should people check out The Crow?
1: Okay, uh, number one, maximum crowage there's a maximum there's a crow he is definitely the star uh and
0: you know get get a full uh edgar Allan poe sort of yeah you get some right?
1: you get some poe quotes as well yeah, you're just
0: like it's a raven but you know fuck it basically the same bird
1: <laughs> Point two. brandon lee obviously he's fantastic in this and uh definitely it's such a weird thing like we're obviously going to talk about it a little bit because I mean it's in the DNA of this movie that he passed away during filming and it's just one of those weirdly poetic things that's like stranger than fiction uh obviously he's the son of Bruce Lee who died young also and before his breakout role and Brandon Lee died before his breakout role and and in a movie about somebody who comes back from the death for it's a lot um but Regardless of all of that, like even if you you don't want to watch it for that like sick, twisted real- life backstory and you want to just watch the film, it's an insanely great performance. It's going to be interesting to see how the remake plays out.
0: Let's pretend the remake's not happening. Let's just talk about <laughs> let's just talk about nineteen ninety four as the Crow,
1: but yeah, it was, it's it's a really great performance. And and one that I would normally not get behind because it's it's a very superhero y anti-hero villain hero that is just a whole lot of one-liners.
0: There's a lot of one-liners in the movie. Okay, so good good thing number one is uh, crow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> good thing number two
0: is the guy who plays the crow. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and say number three. I uh, mm, dang, that's tough. I mean, I just love the idea of a vigilante who's come back from the dead fucking dude crawls out of his own grave and avenges his own death and his fiance's death and it's set all on Devil's Night in Detroit.
1: Yeah, I want to bring it back to superhero stuff because I'm normally not into that, but you know how I always say that Batman is the most emo superhero? Totally. And he's like, i the hero that Gotham needs, la la la. The crow is the hero that Gotham needs. He is a justified emo superhero. He is a justified level of emo.
0: Well, yeah, he definitely has earned it. And uh, I'll say this right now, that uh, originally the title for this double feature was Emo Boys Make Some Noise, but I think based on what part two is gonna be, it didn't quite apply, so we're <laughs> going strictly with Undead Boys make some noise, Uh, and we're gonna get into full spoiler tear. Spoiler, why am I saying this? Fucking movie's like 30 years old. We're gonna get into all the juicy details of the crow right after the trailer. People once believed that when someone dies, a crow carries their soul to the land of the dead, but sometimes, just sometimes. Broke, bring that soul back to put the wrong things right. You're all going to die.
1: Is that gasoline I smell? <laughs> Victims,
0: aren't we all? The crow is currently sitting at a 7.5 out of ten on IMDB, which is a pretty good rating for IMDB. 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd.
1: I mean, it, it it does go with saying, though, it probably the ratings of this film are very skewed based on its r- release.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's definitely one of those things. I mean, a large part of the conversation was about how great Brandon Lee was and how much of a um, star in the making he was. Well, yeah,
1: and you're, you're rating him in a way. Like, this is... This tragedy became this film, and so like in in any way to rate it, it's it's the same sense as like um, how Dark Knight was when Heath Ledger died. Like the movie became. A legacy.
0: Yeah, it's like getting a posthumous Oscar, like or something. like an yeah. instant legacy. Yeah.
1: Um. The
0: good. The good news there, though, is that both those movies, Dark Knight and The Crow,
1: are dope, and they're phenomenal performances. So, like the the accolades are deserved. But it is hard to like talk about this movie and be like, eh. <laughs> 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 the performance, fan fucking tastic. But as for a you know tragic villain, anti or what are we going to call him? An antihero? Yeah, antihero. Sure. It doesn't have a whole lot of meat on its bones. And and maybe that comes down to the fact that, unfortunately, Brandon Lee died before they had completed filming of basically the inciting incident where... Mm-hmm bad guys break into their really cool gothic, like, <laughs> tower apartment. Right, are you really like a
0: goth musician if you don't have a circular window that overlooks the city? So
1: good. <laughs> such a good window to jump out of. And they rape his fiance they They're getting married tomorrow. Tomorrow's Halloween, by the way. Who gets married on Halloween?
0: Oh man, that is such a good fucking line where, like, one of the beat cops is like, who the fuck gets married on Halloween anyway? And Ernie Hudson, standing over a girl who's dying, takes a long drag on his cigarette and goes, nobody. Fuck, that's dark.
1: Yeah, because she's not getting. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um but in that whole opening sequence, we don't see Eric Draven at all. Yeah. And and I mean, you understand why, but they didn't have a lot of material to flesh that out. And I think the opening, because it wasn't allowed to be as like, I guess, jarring and upsetting and, and physical for the audience. You see a little bit in flashbacks and stuff, but you he's really absent from those scenes and you do really feel it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Because even watching it now, it's it. I, I I've seen the movie a hundred times. I know, yeah, I, I know the beats. I know what's happening. I know the story really well. But it feels like I'm you're missing something, and you know they did it would have been a complete disservice to not release the movie let's just say that right like everybody that worked on it especially brandon lee like it would have been awful if they just fucking scrapped it and it was a movie that you heard and people talked about but never got finished and never got released
1: it's one of those weird things where you you really don't know what the right thing to do is yeah because you want to honor the person and the work that they've done but also the subject matter of the film is so strangely close in theme to what really happened.
0: Well, I mean, hey, it's a movie about a guy who's undead who can literally like jump off buildings and get shot and not die and, you know, for a real life person who died filming the movie being get you know getting accidentally shot with a prop gun. Yeah, it might be a little. It, it is a little weird a, a few times in the movie when he gets shot he gets and stamps shot back up and laughs.
1: So much but in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> a, but I mean, so many people get shot in action. No, movies, I know. You know? It, I mean, it is It is a really fun. It's not a fun <laughs> movie. It's not fun at all, but and it's. For an emo movie,
0: it's totally fun. Yeah,
1: no, it's. It is, in it. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, the the whole uh, opening the movie is a little weird because it's not how it was supposed to be. Well, they yeah, and you into... don't want to
1: criticize the movie and be like, oh, your opening
0: wasn't <laughs> Can enough you imagine? to make me
1: like the movie. Like, I can't remember what the original studio was, but after Brandon died, they, they were not going to release the film. Yeah. And somebody else bought it, and they pumped another $8 million into production to get it done, and that's where they did some rewrites and did some extra shoots. The, luckily enough, The Crow has wet hair in front of his face a lot of times so it doesn't look too stunt double y. Yeah. I mean, and you can kinda tell when you're they're gonna be using a stunt double. But they did a good job finishing the film.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. They did a great job. I mean it helps too that it's super dark, saturated and shadows and stuff. Like it's you're totally fine to hide your actor's face for a bunch of it. Yeah. And, it, and it's all before he gets the paint, like the makeup. It's 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 kind of like a music video for the first 15 minutes of the, the movie. The whole movie is like a music video. <laughs> yeah, but don't you love that about it? Don't you love that it's like a fucking 90s goth music video? No? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's just a me thing, I guess. Okay, cool. But it totally works if you're trying to sort of, you know, blow past a bunch of uh, info that you're not able to sort of deliver because you don't have your lead.
1: Yeah, and because we're kind of missing that connection of his death a little bit, it's very fortunate. And this is the this is the weirdest thing I'm ever going to say on this podcast, because it's oh, this is is this a sentence I want to put out? The the fact that they the bad guys are very bad and we have flashbacks of the very bad things they do. Yeah. They they rape Shelley, mm-hmm. his fiance, and they're really disgusting and POV when they do that and they flashback for each of the characters so you do get some animosity when the crow is hunting down each of them individually versus like he's not doing it for his own death at that point so we don't really need to see him up close and personal falling out the window it's really what they do to Shelly.
0: Yeah he's not avenging himself he's avenging his fiance.
1: Yeah and, and those rape scenes are very upsetting so they help fill in our lack of an opening, if that makes sense. Like, when he starts hunting down the villains, I'm like, wait, what? When did he die? Oh, I guess I saw his tombstone, so I guess he died. (laughs) Uh...
0: (laughs) Okay. But then,
1: yeah, you see the rape flashbacks, and you're like, get him!
0: (laughs) Now look, I know this movie's a bummer. Everybody who sits down to watch this movie who's heard anything about it knows it's a fucking bummer. But here's the deal, man. It is so fucking cool sometimes when he comes out of the grave and we've got a pov shot from inside the casket lifting the lid and moving a bunch of dirt around isn't that amazing don't you love that yeah it, <laughs> it's also just there like, are so many butts in, in your yeahs when we talk <laughs> about a movie like the crow
1: yeah but No, it's just also really wet the whole time. The whole and,
0: God damn it. Like, so
1: yeah, like it's really cool and he crawls out of the grave, but he's like, it's all wet and dirty. <laughs>
0: yeah, he didn't like it either. That's why he threw his clothes away and the crow is like, ah, ah hey, man, some boots. Like that I love that the crow helps him find an outfit.
1: Why did the crow bring him back though, just for vengeance? Like if the crow had the ability, why didn't the crow bring back Shelly and they could have like a dinner date and then go back down where they're from?
0: I think it's because Shelly had time to accept her death, maybe? I don't know. Maybe it's just because uh, he died with anger or something? Yeah,
1: because I think in the, in the opening voiceover, they're talking about the legend of the crow and how it carries people to the underworld, and I think he just like refused to go or yeah, something. Yeah, the
0: crow is totally like, you got a rough deal. We're going to bring you back. I got a lot on my plate right we now. We got to go to the underworld,
1: got- <laughs> but you can have a couple nights. Yeah. yeah,
0: You know what? Perfect time. Next year, this t- I'm going to pencil you in. I won't forget about <laughs> About it And, uh, you know, it'd be great. It'd be like the one year anniversary. Everybody's like remembering how awful this was. And you could show up and like, pow, pow, save the day, take over Devil's Night. That's the other thing that this movie is set on Devil's Night, which is kind of a thing that doesn't really exist anymore. Or at least Detroit wants to pretend doesn't exist anymore. I was going to
1: say about this is uh, the setting of this is not a real location. <laughs> it's a city of all back alleys. The whole thing is back alleys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I I often wonder if if it's movies like The Crow that sort of like helped me uh fall in love with all of those like really shitty New York movies like oh wow this this place is just it's a city of back alleys and they're all gross looking um because that's exactly what this movie it is it feels like
1: a fake universe like the they run down one street and it just like you know like the edges of Pac-Man just sent them back to the other side <laughs> like okay. there's yeah, only yeah. six streets where these like this evil villain overlord with yeah. his cronies are hanging out and and then the crow pops up, and, like, of course, he's gonna find them all in one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: they all exist in the tiny little snow globe that an evil dude is holding, yeah exactly.
1: And there is a snow globe,
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's why I brought it up, yeah, it's, but
1: th- it's Krampus. We're watching Krampus, <laughs> Fuck yeah, we are,
0: baby, Devil's night Krampus. I like it uh, it's it's funny too, because, like it is really stylized and we have uh, we have plenty of scenes where the crow is just like flying up above the city and we get an idea of like the city streets and you the get landscape. crow pov we get a lot of crow <laughs> pov and it's great <laughs> um but yeah the place it looks like a really contained universe but the funniest part is that it's set in modern detroit it, they weren't like oh we're taking it back to when detroit was dangerous it's like we're in detroit now this is what detroit looks like in 94 uh, I
1: didn't even know it was set in Detroit. I literally thought it was a fictional place.
0: Devil's Night is, was a thing that used to be a huge problem in in bad areas of Detroit because of so much, you know, abandoned buildings and whatnot. People would genuinely set the city on fire.
1: Oh, wow. Like, yeah. it literally was a fire It thing. was
0: a thing. It was a whole thing. Mm. And uh, isn't anymore, thankfully, I think. I mean, some people try and bring it back, but I think they pretty much did.
1: Ernie there. Hudson, he.
0: Right. He. You just got to send in the Ghostbusters. Got
1: control over yes. that
0: city. <laughs> You loved him in his little like a cop apartment where he's just like in his boxers and in a with white... his
1: hat. It was the best. <laughs> he's also, got his just little cop belly. The seeing the crow being like a nice human being, even though he's undead. And, like, it's just like having Edward Scissorhands in your apartment. You know, like when he's sitting on the waterbed. Okay. When he gets Ernie a beer <laughs> and like
0: yeah, he hands him a beer. <laughs> like here, you're gonna have a hard time accepting this, but I am real.
1: Yeah, I, it was just sweet.
0: I think the cast of characters in this movie is ha, it should probably should have been one of our good things at the top of the episode, but like, holy shit, are the characters amazing? And also the the cast is incredible in this movie. So many fucking people in this movie that just pop up in like all of your favorite movies. You're giving me that nod, like you need me to. Okay, cool. One of them is obviously Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know everybody's everybody's yeah. Tony favorite Todd in a turtleneck. Tony Todd in a fucking turtleneck with these cool wire rim glasses
1: yeah and he's got like this little bleep spot in his head it looks great
0: he looks like he could be a musician but has instead decided to be a crony for michael wincott he is
1: much higher than a crony Okay, he's the right hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my he's mistake. a side boss. My, okay,
0: okay. The the rest of the cast are the cronies, yeah. the the idiots that get sent off to do shots and swallow bullets whole because to prove they're tough. But yeah, Tony Todd, pretty fucking killer. Hit the, the his boss, Michael Wincott, Mister Gravelly voice himself, who Mr. we all bad
1: hair extensions. Yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> the voice helps forgive the hair extensions. Also, I'm not. I don't have extension dar i can't tell you bring it up all the time You're like wow this person's got bad extensions and i'm like are you kidding me you mean to tell me he didn't grow his hair out looks amazing <laughs> i thought it looked real okay as a child <laughs> as, as an adult i'm aware that people do not do that like he would have had to prep for 30 years for this role in order to have that hair then you got David Patrick Kelly, like uh, from the Warriors. Like he's still in gangs thirty years <laughs> later, right? Fucking uh, everybody's favorite stoner from uh, from Twin Peaks: The Return. I'm the only person who gives a shit about Michael Massey. Uh, he's. Do you, you remember him? He's the
1: none f- of these. None, none of, of the these, bad guys I, were familiar to me. None of
0: them. No. None of them. Not even. Um, not even Tintin.
1: Not a one.
0: Oh man, I completely. I they just
1: all looked the same. Completely <laughs> lost
0: his fucking name. He's Nikon from Hackers.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay. you're right. You're right. Another cool grunge movie from the '90s that you don't care. No,
1: about. I fucking love. Okay, hackers. so you like you like hackers. Okay, but- so the the it's a Venn diagram. So I don't like any of them except for the ones that have Matthew Lillard in.
0: Them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, you know what? That's making a lot of sense. That checks out. You've really shown your math on this. <laughs> Okay, well, I love the cast of this movie. Uh, no one gives a shit about the guy who plays Fun Boy, but for me, hes I always remember him as that guy from Seven who's running the strip club at the end of the movie. He's like, hey, did anybody come into this place with something under their arm? He's like, everybody coming in here has got something under their arm. You don't remember, man, these are all like faces that I could pull out of a crowd.
1: Yeah, but this is your era.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs> the 90s, the best decade ever, ever invented. <laughs>
1: The one thing that struck me as as odd, uh <laughs> uh-huh. just speaking of the '90s, was at those weird <laughs> concerts they were at. There were ashtrays on the stage for the for the people in the front row.
0: If for the people in. The, wow. That's kind of cool. Yeah,
1: it's like, ashtray. Weird. I thought you were
0: going to say for the musicians. I was like, that's not really a huge deal. Like, no. Okay,
1: yeah. but, but imagine, like, being a musician and there's ashtrays for the fans on the stage. Who's like,
0: respecting just, that rule? I just think that's weird. It's like, uh, well, I guess legal to smoke in buildings back then, but, like, who's, like, taking the time while getting crushed up against the stage to, to be like, let me, let me just a- <laughs> ash right here? I would hate for somebody to have to clean this up later.
1: Yeah, like, at an industrial show, like, better not get ashes anywhere. Oh, man. <laughs>
0: I love a bad guy whose headquarters are above a music venue. But like boom. I believe it. I don't know why. Who fucking like, yeah, of course he's upstairs murdering people with his sister who he's also having sex with yeah, and is obsessed like, with occult magic.
1: Dracula table? <laughs> You're like, is this yeah. your office or your house?
0: The greatest thing is that they're at that Dracula table and he's like, uh, everybody's here, they're waiting for you. And it's like, this isn't the meeting chambers? Like there's a you've got a different, bigger, longer table for uh, hanging out with all the bad guys you know. No, I
1: think it was that table. Okay maybe I don't know man
0: there's just like they're in the waiting room like okay let me go let me go say hi you guys <laughs> redeck. put the guns out everybody need a gun at every place setting
1: the girlfriend's like your friends are here I guess I should get off the table <laughs> oh
0: man she's great half her lines in this movie are like I like the pretty eyes like, and then I don't know if you remember all of the bad guys are lined up at the table like loading guns smoking cigarettes like oh it's gonna be so great we're gonna burn the city down tonight and she unprovoked Says, I like the pretty eyes, and everybody looks at her like, "What the fuck did she just say?" I
1: thought she said, "I like the pretty lights there," oh, like so? because they're lighting the town on fire. Okay, well, I thought she, I thought she switched it up. They for- were for relevance
0: that's pretty funny I like that she's like I'm not just a one note girl I also like lights but the best part is that we do have a reaction shot of her going like oh like nobody liked what I had to say
1: also when the crow was like killing everyone there was a reaction shot of her and she looked very like mm, that's gross <laughs> like ew gross yeah, <laughs> everyone's a- dying around me i'm gonna go
0: back to burning eyeballs for black magic and <laughs> snorting a giant pile of cocaine i she guess she did
1: look straight out of a like a twin Peaks universe though she fit in real
0: good <laughs> pretty great pretty great what do you think of the revenge sequences mm. Mm. okay all right that's cool i mean <laughs> what is what is it that you're like mm, about because if it's the dialogue i'm with you Dialogues no. dialogue's a little theatrical. Yeah, and, like, no, I wonder so- if that's a choice because he's in his like clown getup.
1: I do like it
0: though. Okay, because yeah. he says
1: some like poey things, and he's just like. And then, it's a
0: little yeah, it's a little over the top.
1: And also, he's super dreamy. So, like any any close up, you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did some revenge, whatever.
0: <laughs> Which one's your favorite revenge?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> The first two were like kind of the same. One gets a bunch of knives in them. The other yeah. gets a bunch of needles in them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I he- love. So, sorry, I love that when the bad guy comes in, he goes. They t- they stab Tintin in each of his major organs alphabetically. Like, how the fuck do you know that? How yeah, you- I think he
1: was. <laughs> I think he was just being dramatic. I think it was just. Yeah, I think it was.
0: <laughs> I think it was just really cool. He was just
1: adding a little flair. <laughs> yeah, he was
0: like, This is how I'm gonna make it like a nice uh nice spin. This is how everybody knows me. I describe murder as real cool. Uh
1: I did like the thrift shop when he filled the gun full of wedding full rings. Full of wedding
0: rings, yeah. yeah. Love that.
1: I and mean, then that guy didn't die there, but He got burnt.
0: (laughs) He died eventually. It's totally fine. I I love that when he gets stabbed in the neck, the bad guy's like, "Well, you just die already. (laughs) Give me your gun," and blows him away. That scene's great. I love the pawn shop sequence because, like, you know that this guy's a piece of shit anyway. Mm -hmm. And you know, we see that he's he's buying, you know, uh, stuff with blood on them. Stuff with blood on it. Really,
1: is turning a blind eye onto onto the stuff he is collecting. He's your
0: stereotypical shitty, you know, slum pawn shop owner, uh, but he's got a box of rings, and the crow is just fucking going through them, and he's, this is the best part of the movie, I love this, this is super emo, but uh, hes he's got his eyes closed, and he's just feeling each of the rings, and he's like, no, this one's not right, this one's not, oh, this is the one that breaks my heart, that's how I know it's the right ring, but I, don't you get the sense that he is maybe also seeing every single life that has been ruined by each of those rings
1: if that was the case then they would definitely be franchising the story a bit more because as soon as he's done killing the baddies that hurt him personally yeah he's like well back to me grave (laughs) (laughs) it was a nice night
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay do you not know
1: yeah i know that there's a bunch of sequels and shit
0: and a tv show
1: that's Good for the show.
0: Okay, well, some of those sequels aren't bad. City <laughs> of Angels,
1: pretty okay. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. Uh, yeah, but
0: yeah, he loads all those fucking uh, he loads all those those. Uh, that's those a nice rings little a like mini great.
1: revenge, you know, like just shooting the rings in there, what ignites those.
0: Yeah, well, it's like you're like you're buying uh jewelry from people who are killing other people to get it. It's just like you're not helping the situation. You're you're providing an opportunity for them to make a living off of killing people like me and my fiance. Well, not
1: just that. But in a lot of those circumstances, like even just people who are down on their luck, who are pawning in like their wedding bands and stuff, like you just think of tragedy anytime you see a collection of wedding bands at a thrift store. <laughs> I just feel soft on the plot. I'm just soft on the whole plot. Okay. But visually love the film. Right. Doesn't it look uh, so cool? And it's super goth, so I'm totally down. In the first murder, uh with the knives guy. Yeah. Uh when he jumps off the building and like discovers he can just like land on the Yo. ground and he laughs. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I oh, was I a I full shot. standing ovation for that. That's pretty was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: love that. Yeah. That's that's genius. The the whole movie has got like a like a Batman y quality. To it, it is
1: very Batman justifying but a justified level of emo well
0: I'm talking like the like there's a lot of matte shots and uh like double exposure and stuff especially because I don't think they wanted to try and get the the actual crow like the the bird the crow to interact with scenes and actors so you you can tell that they shot the crow separately and then like Subbed it in or put it in with digital editing because this is like an early example of CGI, mm-hmm. and it all looks great. Like that's that's the thing. Like it's it's really early with the technology, and I think they did an awesome job because like, it doesn't feel like bad CGI. It feels like a stylized choice. I
1: also think how dark the film really lends <laughs> that probably helps to yeah. all of the blending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it it does really look now. I've, I'm I did not. I'm not. I have not read the comic book. I'm not like a diehard fan of it or anything, but it does kind of feel like the comic book came to life in a sense. And I think that's just how they stylized it and it it worked really well. It hides it definitely hides some seams for digital trickery that they were doing at a time when that was super dangerous to do because this is only like a few years before the Frighteners and even the frighteners looks a little dated, I guess.
1: Yeah, but in the best ways.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm constantly defending it. I think it looks amazing. We're
1: very pro Frighteners here on the pod.
0: Hell yeah, <laughs> and we're very pro the Crow. The both of us. Yeah, t- collectively, I pick up the slack where Kim drops some. <laughs> yeah, of it. so it's let's totally let's
1: talk about your favorite stuff because this this movie, I appreciated watching it with you because you brought such joy to the viewing <laughs> in your your quiet, just like woo. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it's honestly, it's just like tiny little details like here and there and everywhere. I, I love how it looks. Um, you know, as much as I will laugh occasionally in some of the lines, Brandon Lee delivers and stuff. Like I just, I like it. And it's probably, it's probably a nostalgia thing. I probably just saw it at the right time. And as much as I, I, I know that I'm rating it. Lo- eventually we'll be rating it uh, lower than I would have rated it back when I saw it in the nineties. Uh, it, has influenced me in ways I'll probably never understand. You know, like I I love dark alleyways. I love uh, vengeance. <laughs> I just I, I like
1: just, emo boys with long hair. Apparently, right? And I just <laughs> I, I just
0: like weird bad guys. Michael Wincott is. You such, do
1: love a weird bad guy. He's such a weird bad guy.
0: I don't understand how he even knows anybody else in this movie. Like, they all look like your standard thugs.
1: Yeah, and he's a lot cleaner than the rest of them.
0: And his monologues are great, too. There's a lot of fucking monologues.
1: How did he meet these guys? He definitely doesn't go to that bar that they frequent.
0: No, I think he just throws money around.
1: (laughs) He shakes a little bell at, like, 3 a.m. Would y'all like to start some arson? Anybody that's still out... Yeah, because he's coming from, like, kung fu movies. He's got a that's what secret he looks wall like, yeah. of swords. He's got long-ass <laughs> he's, hair. He does
0: spend the finale with a samurai sword on top of a fucking church. Man, that's the other thing. Like, an old abandoned church is the set, pe- the final set piece of the movie, and it looks so killer. That
1: bird's eye pew shot was my favorite thing of the whole movie.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, I'm yeah.
1: not even going to describe it for you. I'm not, I'm, you're just going to have to make sense of bird's eye pew shot. What okay. does that mean? I don't know. <laughs>
0: This movie also, in terms of like the monologues people have and the emo stuff came, or at a time where I was probably like at my most emo. Like the idea that, that see uh, we the,
1: emoed at different times, I think. I, Maybe yeah. mine is now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, lines like "It can't rain all the time" like don't mean anything to me now, but like as a teenager, if I saw that written on the back of someone's backpack, I'd be like, "Oh, I know that pain. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know how much you hurt." <laughs> Here, have half my cigarette.
1: Whereas <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this movie's too emo," and then at the end, I, I cried. So
0: <laughs> yeah, that happened. I know. Like, I could hear you rolling your eyes, and then all of a sudden, you got like hella emotional.
1: <laughs> I can't tell myself how to feel, John.
0: That's just how it goes, you know. Sometimes you know, you, you might surprise you when a movie affects you a little bit, but I like I just get I, sad uh,
1: about death and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know.
0: That's it's hey, we're Nightmare on Film Street. We're here to make you feel. De- <laughs> we're here to make you feel sad and think about death and stuff yeah no, totally. I get that um but like even the man there's the there's stuff in the movie that I don't think works a hundred percent, but I still like 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 um uh David Patrick Kelly repeating lines from Paradise Lost.
1: I didn't catch that.
0: It's it's so it th- he picks up a it's it's like really creepy initially. He picks up a copy of Paradise Lost.
1: Is this which villain is this?
0: Um this is the <laughs> This is uh one of the fire it up. Fire it up guys. You know, he's the one with the car. He's the one who gets uh, okay. duct taped yep. to his car and it fucking his blows up. His death
1: scene was great Love and, it. and how he reacted to the crow. I was waiting for somebody to have their whole world be affected. You get fucking rocked by the yeah, crow yeah. because so many people were like you're not supposed to be here what are you doing here and yeah. he was his ground was shook
0: right yeah totally like his the foundation of his reality was just broken in half yeah. by realizing who this guy was mm-hmm. he's such a good fucking actor and like he always got small parts like this and he just kills every time and, it, it, and it's in that scene too where he's repeating those lines from Paradise Lost but like the whole idea is like uh, it's, it's like the, the devil looked upon goodness and felt how awful it was. And like the whole idea there is um, is it's like you have a character who has sort of fallen from grace. It's Satan, I think, is it's actually the person in that line that the, that's actually being talked about. And it's like you're witnessing somebody who is good and like their goodness makes you feel how bad of a person you are. Like it's in that. It gives
1: you perspective.
0: <laughs> basically yeah like it's it's almost like how he kills Michael Wincott at the end of the movie like he he grabs him by the head and just like downloads him like on all the pain of dying and like being in a hospital and feeling surgery and also just you know like rape and murder and just like awful shit and that's that's what kills Michael Wincott but it kind of like existentially happens to, to David Patrick Kelly's character who sort of just like realizes all of the, sh- the awful shit he's ever done and I I don't know. I think it's also, too, knowing that, like, when he, oh, man, when he's repeating, like, you're not supposed to come back, you're not supposed to come back is kind of scary because I think, like, it's like right before you die, you realize there's a heaven and a hell and you know where you're going. Like, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very true. And And also to know that you
0: deserve it is the other thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's interesting when you think of that, though, because the crow, Eric Draven, he brings a lot of ambiguity to... Something that should be, you know, black or white. Where does he go back to?
0: So I think there is there is an ambiguity to that until the end of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Cause, yeah, because like-
1: Shelly's like, hey, I'm a ghost <laughs> now come back no, to bed I, honey I, I think she shows
0: up as an angel <laughs> you know and uh because and, like he is very much sort of like a demon uh in the movie he's a black angel i don't know like he's he's just like a messenger of death more than anything and so yeah i think it's i think it's unclear about where he's going after all this i get the impression that he never really went to heaven or i don't hell. think he went
1: anywhere no yeah
0: and I think it's it's that's what's so cool about his performance in the beginning of the movie too, because as far as far as he knows, he fell out of a fucking window, hit the ground, woke up buried, and then cr- like, crawled his way out into the moonlight, mm-hmm. and like it's he-
1: so goth, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> so fucking
0: goth, yeah. Um, and yeah, at the end of the movie, he's he's visited by Shelley, um, who's very clearly an angel, and yeah, takes him to a better place. You know, I think it's pretty cool. It is a movie that I um that I as a kid I watched it's it's like when you watch Clueless and you're like, man, I can't wait till I'm an older person. I'm you can't be wait so... till
1: you're avenging your own death, Right?
0: I can't wait until <laughs> until I'm brutally murdered and I get to come back. I can't and... wait
1: to wear really tight, long sleeve shirts and stand in the rain.
0: Even watching it now. Get I'm, a
1: cat. <laughs> I have
0: that feeling. Like, watching him put that shirt on, I'm just like, oh, this is what cool is. And this is what I should aspire to be. <laughs> I do remember as a kid being like, I can't wait till I could buy my own tight-fitting black shirts. And then even fucking Tony Todd has finger armor in this. This movie? Like, yo, even like the not cool people have cool, cooler stuff than I me. appreciated the turtleneck most of all. The cool. I hate, I man, I remember wanting finger armor so bad. Like, that was just like, a, I'm not going to be a complete person until I have cool finger armor. Do you remember that shit?
1: I was never into finger armor. Well, like, I never
0: <laughs> had the money for it either, but like, I always saw it at the, you know, Hot Topic and Spencer's and Gifts. You're
1: like, and like, I would oh. like a claw. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Can yeah. I have an exoskeleton for my inside skeleton?
0: That's what I wanted. I remember, so I mean, in in terms of just like the the quick little corner here where we're talking about how young I was when this movie came out, I remember not being allowed to watch it. And I think part of it was around the idea that the lead actor died. Like that was obviously not part of the marketing campaign, but all anybody was talking about when yeah. the movie came out. I remember walking into rooms where like my mom was talking with a friend of hers about the movie and they stopped talking because they didn't want to talk about all the the, the the dark goth movie that her that this the kids can't watch.
1: I think that's probably why this was never on my radar, because I think I was like sheltered from oh. it. And obviously I, I think my mom she she hid me from a lot of like the craft and stuff. Oh I was <laughs> I was knew. <laughs> I watched a lot of like you know she shouldn't be watching this shit but anything that was even remotely goth was kept away from me That's great. <laughs> I love
0: that I don't remember how I saw it I think I, I just had to wait I don't think I like you know snuck in anywhere and watched it mm-hmm. But uh, but there was definitely like a
1: what? I watched it at a friend's house over lunch breaks. That's, that's how oh, I... Oh, that's cool. Like,
0: you watch like, 15, 20 minutes of it at a time?
1: Yeah, like, her mom's boyfriend would... You remember back when people would rip movies on onto discs, and so she just had this case of discs with, like, movie titles written on them? Yeah. And that's how I watched a lot of movies that came out in, like, the 90s. Oh, okay. It was just, like, blue pen on a disc, and I was like, <laughs> what is this?
0: <laughs> One of those fucking, like, discs, uh, disc booklets or yes. whatever? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like wow. You have like a problem. Like <laughs> like you've got a thousand movies and you haven't watched any of them. Why do you rip them? Like why do you do this?
1: There were like a thousand, and every time yeah. we would go, there would be just be more added to the case. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an era.
0: But yeah, I mean, like uh, for better or worse, like it or not. Yeah, this movie is just kind of in my bones, and uh, as much as I fight it now, it's just kind of like yeah, it's there. It's a part of me, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a way. It's definitely not a movie that I would spring to put on, like, my top ten or, like, the movies that made me kind of list, but watching it, I can tell for certain that it definitely had an effect on me when I was younger.
1: Yeah, I'm trying not to talk about how, like, sad the movie made me, and but I think that's a, that's a testament to the movie's...
0: Legacy? Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I I think it was just very... It's a very poetic film about grief and stuff, and I think the truth behind it makes it even more it just makes it resonate even more. Like the yeah. themes in the movie are only, you know, amplified by the truth behind it. Actually, something I wanted to mention on the podcast, but I don't want to like bring everything down, but now that we're at we're wrapping up, this definitely factors into my rating so I can get it out. Okay. Um so the guy who wrote the comic book,
0: James O'Barr or Jeff O'Barr?
1: Yeah, James O'Barr. He wrote The Crow after his fiance was killed by a drunk driver and, yeah. it, and for him he was using it as like a process so like you know like creating art or purging it getting revenge through the comic book he thought it would be therapeutic but he said it was it was not yeah that it became this thing that he visited every day and so it was just like he was constantly actively grieving yeah and I just think that's so fitting for something about a character that's like literally getting revenge on the on the page something that the character can't let go. That's why I said stranger than fiction, because a screenwriter couldn't have written anything yeah. as poetic as this. Yeah, and exactly. I'm getting emotional just thinking about the ending of the movie.
0: <laughs> and now you're faced with the uh, the hard part every critic <laughs> came up against in 1994. Kim, how do you rate The Crow without saying, yeah, this movie made me cry and probably deserves 100% for all the reasons that, uh, that it almost didn't exist. But what I mean, like, honestly, as a movie... How you rate the crow.
1: Well, so I think it's plot light. Like I I said that like I just um, you know, I'm not a big superhero person, so like getting revenge on bad guys is normally not my bag, but I think it's a really successful film about grief and um
0: three out of four i'm i'm also giving it a three out of four i
1: don't love to be sad but i i (laughs) you know what i mean no one does i I hate this but also i'm thinking profoundly about the universe
0: (laughs) yeah no i'm i'm also i'm also a three out of four because i i think it's a lot of fun i don't think it's a perfect movie but whatever yeah and yeah if you had asked 14 year old me it's a four out of four and 14 year old me would also punch 32 year old me in the face for giving it a three out of four like how dare you you sold out <laughs> on your own <laughs> on your own emotions.
1: Yeah, I hope the next film isn't so um actually emo. You know, when we were going to do an emo pairing. I didn't think that we were going to get emo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really expect that to happen. I was like Ugh, all
1: of these emo people. <laughs> I'll tell you right
0: now though, I know for a fact that the movie we will be talking about next is not nearly as emo, but if you don't like Undead Boys Coming Back for Vengeance like almost like a goth superhero, I think you might have a little bit of a hard time with this one. <laughs> And uh, I am so excited to hear your thoughts on it.
1: I've never seen it.
0: But it features some of the coolest fucking creature work from the late 90s.
1: It is superhero-y, though, so more of that.
0: Either way, three out of four from the both of us for The Crow, but that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of The Crow, uh, you know, how it's affected you, whether or not it's a movie that has sort of defined a specific period in your life and you continue to revisit it when you need a good cry. Hit us up on Twitter at NoFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at NOFSPodcast.com slash Discord.
1: I'm never going to make fun of a movie for being emo ever again.
0: Ha <laughs> 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 That's going to be it for us this week. If you'd like more Nightmare on Film Street, we've got, you know, like 250 episodes in the back catalog, and we've got a shit ton of bonus episodes uh, available to you at nofspodcast.com slash Uh This is, you know, Nightmare on Film Street is a free podcast. We don't have credits at the end of it because Kim and I just do everything, but it's made possible by the members of the Fiend Club. So head on over there to support the show and get yourself some bonus episodes in the meantime. Until next week. I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks.